this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath earlier this month the ministry of electronics and information technology withdrew the personal data protection bill 2019 we'll be referring to it as the pdp bill going forward and the government did not give clear reasons for the move except to cite the detailed recommendations of the joint parliamentary committee's report it has also not given a definitive timeline for when a refurbished bill will be ready so the move to withdraw the pdp bill has evoked a range of reactions ranging from puzzlement to disappointment if the bill really is so deeply flawed was it then not a good move to withdraw it and redraft it again or would it have been better to let the draft go through the whole process of parliamentary debate and amendments and later if need be uh, there could be a judicial challenge and so on or is this a matter of the government simply buying more time we look for some answers to these questions and more in this episode of the in focus podcast and our guest today is professor indranath gupta from jindal global law school Dr Gupta thank you so much for joining us thank you so very much sampath for inviting me uh dr gupta a lot of people have already criticized the government's move to withdraw the pdp bill 2019 can you briefly explain to us why this bill matters other than as a matter of say abstract principle about privacy and so on we know that digital india so to speak has been marching comfortably ahead without this bill so far and there doesn't seem to be any palpable sense that this bill or any kind of data protection law is being missed by all of us as we go about doing what we do ordering all kinds of stuff online doing financial transactions on the smartphone and multiple apps so what exactly are we losing or have we lost uh, by not having this bill or not having the government pass this bill say for another 3 years and how do we utilize this time if we have to wait a long time for this bill to come thank you for this great question sampath we need to develop a context before answering this question and need to go at least 5 years uh, back in time in 2017 the supreme court of india of course we know in justice ks puttuswami and v union of india declared privacy as a fundamental right under article 21 of the indian constitution subsequently a need to frame a robust data protection framework was impressed upon the government in 2017 then constituted a committee of experts on data protection chaired by justice b n shrikrishna the committee was assigned the task of examining data protection issues in india the committee then submitted a detailed report in 2018 explaining the need for comprehensive data protection legislation in india and its possible framework the committee also followed a comparative approach to analyze different frameworks that exists in several jurisdictions including the european union based on the suggestions shared by the committee a bill entitled the personal data protection bill or the pdp bill 2019 was presented in the parliament here if we look at the bill the bill reasoned out why it was necessary to have a strong and robust data protection framework in india interestingly the protection was conceived to protect personal data and also empower citizens about using their personal data thereby respecting the fundamental right to privacy 
and protection of personal data. Overall idea is to give back the autonomy to natural persons. Let us look at the use and reuse of personal data as decided by natural persons. The delay allows us to think about the possible steps we could consider to improve from the previous version of the bill. The problem has to be understood from different perspectives. Let's start with data controllers or data fiduciaries as they have been proposed in India. Putting a comprehensive bill on the back burner for an indefinite period or for an extended period would create a lot of uncertainty for the data fiduciaries. Mind you, these data fiduciaries are most likely to comply with several data protection regimes around the globe. Uh, Dr. Gupta, sorry to interrupt. Uh, just uh, for, the, for the lay audience, like, what do you mean by data fiduciaries? Would it be somebody like uh, Paytm, Facebook, uh, Twitter and so on? That is correct. Anyone who is processing personal data. So going back, you know, if you look at the, the data fiduciaries, they would probably then end up following different data management strategies, which could be detrimental to those to whom the data belongs. Now, if we look from the perspective of data subjects or data principles, like people like us, as suggested in the proposed framework in India, their control over personal data remains elusive. More time personal data remains in the public domain without adequate data protection safeguards, more difficult it would be to bring back the control to data principles. The bill also would help in improving trade tries with different countries. Transfer of personal data from other countries to India could be a problem. The bill would help us deal with specific issues like the right to be forgotten, again, which gives an indication of giving back control to data principles. The another problem is the lack of comprehensive legislation also means a compelling and credible consent support framework would not be there with the data subjects. The checks and balances as a result would be missing. But having said all this, withdrawal of legislation is also a potential opportunity to improve upon multiple things. The legislative processes involved in enacting data protection legislation can be time consuming as has been the case in other jurisdictions such as the European Union. Even after the passing of the law, it would take time before it can be implemented. For instance, it took about two years in the European Union. And there are many jurisdictions like that. This time can be utilized to raise awareness about data principles rights. At a given point, success or failure of any data protection legislative framework would depend on their level of awareness. Further, we need to work on supplementary guidelines to help data fiduciaries better understand the overall expectations and transpose those expectations into smaller, meaningful segments. Many jurisdictions have relied heavily on subsequent guidelines supporting the law of the land. In fact, this is a time when we should think of a meaningful enforceability framework. And with a robust enforceability framework, 
we could make the change. We should operationalize the process of bringing in experts. For instance, data protection officers who would in turn guide the data fiduciaries and others. These officers would surely support uh, in a big way in India as they are supporting in other jurisdictions as well. In a nutshell, going forward, there is a need to learn from the progress that we have made over the last five years. It is necessary to consider the recommendations of the Sri Krishna Committee Report and the different versions of the PDP bill and as well as the JPC report. There is also a need to keep pace with the significant legal and technological developments in data protection around the globe. Studying foreign jurisdictions such as the European Union is essential as India's future law would decide how data is protected in India and how easily jurisdictions would be able to transfer data for processing in India. Anyways, uh, I think we should consider having a comprehensive legislative framework. Right. Thank you so much for such a detailed historical perspective on, on what what has led to the situation we find ourselves in today uh, without a data protection law, despite having uh, multiple iterations of this law coming uh, into the public domain. Now, speaking of uh, the various drafts and uh, the debates which have gone on, in your view, do you think the bill has turned progressively better or progressively worse from a data protection perspective with each iteration? Because many people have said that the government's draft, uh, the, which was withdrawn, was actually worse than uh, the previous version on which it was based. So what is your uh, take on this, the fact that it's becoming even more difficult for protecting, uh, for, for the data principle, to use your term, users, as in those who generate data, for them it's becoming even more difficult than before with so many exemptions and exceptions coming in, in the, with each iteration of the draft law. Yes, uh, thank you, Sampadan. This is a very interesting question. And for this as well, you know, we have to go back in history, go back in time to understand what exactly happened, how the changes have happened. So if we go back in time, the data protection discussions in India, you know, really have come a long way since the inclusion of the provisions through the 2008 amendment to the Information Technology Act of 2000. The proposed draft law and revised drafts have certainly improved with time. Uh, some recent changes that have been introduced through the Data Protection Bill of 2021, of course, which is kind of in you know, the same time of the JPC report, are, of course, in a positive direction. Yet, there are still a few areas that may benefit from reconsideration. In this respect, we can also look at how, as an example, of course, how GDPR in the European Union has functioned over the years. Let me share some of the changes that we have observed over time. And these are just examples and there could be others. The PDP bill, for instance, 2019 provided for the first time the right to the erasure of personal data, which is no longer necessary for the purpose for which it was processed. And this, in fact, was missing in the PDP bill of 2018. On the other hand, PDP Bill 2018 provided that one copy of all personal data should be stored in India. As an improvement, the PDP Bill of 2019 suggested that sensitive personal data must continue to be stored in India. Such data can be transferred outside India if explicitly 
uh, consent is shared by the data principal and also subject to certain additional conditions. As an, as an improvement again, the PDP Bill 2019 broadened the definition of personal data by including inferences drawn from such data for the purpose of profiling. Now, when we see that the Data Protection Bill of 2021 uh, did bring about uh, multiple changes as well. The Data Protection Bill, for instance, of 2021 provided the right to the data principal to nominate a legal heir or a legal representative as their nominee who can exercise the right to be forgotten in the event of the date of death of such data principal. And this is something very interesting. It is not even there in the in an explicit manner in the European Union under GDPR. So it is quite progressive in India, at least the proposed the proposal that we had in 2021. Further on, the Data Protection Bill 2021 has recommended expanding the right to be forgotten for processing, which was previously limited to only disclosure. The committee, meaning the JPC committee, observed that even after the data principal exercises this right, the right of right to be forgotten, a data fiduciary may continue to process the personal data of that data principal. Hence, this right should also allow restrictions on any processing. The one you know, change that is something questionable is the way the title of the bill was suggested uh, differently under the DP bill of 2021. It proposed to replace personal data in the title of the PDP bill with the word only data. Here we see the change of, you know, bringing in the personal data, non-personal data in the context. Right, uh, Dr. Gupta, let me just uh, stop you there because uh, we are running out of time and I wanted you to come in on one very important aspect, which is uh, the four main points of criticism or the flaws, as it were, which are most striking in the PDP uh, bill as we, as we saw, which the government withdrew. And these four uh, points being, uh, one, of course, is one you just referred to, which is, the merging of uh, personal data as a category with non-personal data, which has been found to be hugely problematic. The number two, state exceptionalism or exemption of the state uh, from the entire provisions of the law for in the name of national security, etc., etc. Then a complete silence on surveillance regulation. And number four, executive control over data protection authority, which is supposed to be independent body, but uh, it's it's going to be uh, the members are going to be appointed by people from the executive itself, which is going to be making it not very independent. So, can you elaborate a little bit on each of on the implications of each of these four problematic aspects of this bill, please? Yes, certainly. I mean, this is an extremely important question. I mean, let me start with the the point that you raised about executive control over the data protection authority, uh, which is supposed to be there, uh, supposed to be an independent body. Now, here, um, I must say, unlike the 2019 bill, I'm always referring to the 2021 bill because that is also, it's quite important to sort of know what were the changes that were suggested there. So, unlike the 2019 bill, the DP bill 2021. But the 2021 bill was not the one which was withdrawn, right? No, 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 no. The 2021 bill has sort of came at the same time with the JPC report. So, what is its status? Where is it? Uh, like, uh, which which platform is it on right now? If it's not been introduced in Parliament, well, I think it is. I came across it is on the in the Ministry of uh, I think Metis. I mean, we can keep the full form everything. I know I, I sort of off the top of my mind, I always miss out on the full form. But we know the Ministry of Electronics and something something. So, pardon 
on that bit. Yeah, information technology. Yes, yes yeah. thank you so very much. But this DP bill, essentially, it's uh, uh, it's there, you know, with the JPC report. This DP, DP bill of 2021 proposes inclusion of the attorney general as an independent expert in the selection committee of the chairman and members of the DPA. And what can we can we speak about the 2019 uh, bill, uh, Mr. Gupta? Because that's the one which has been withdrawn, and that is the one which is going to be the basis of, I suppose, future debate. Yes, certainly. But the government would also look at the JPC committee's, you know, recommendations. I believe that that came in the press as well, and so therefore, you know, it is it is important, of course, as you have said. See, very, you know, in a, in, a, in a nutshell, there is an equal chance that a data fiduciary can be a public authority or a private entity, right? So there is no doubt about that, right? And there would be um, data fiduciaries controlling different levels of data, be it personal data, be it personal sensitive data. And therefore, there is no doubt that the DPA should be independent because DPA is also entrusted with the protection of the fundamental right to privacy. DPA also would be entrusted with the responsibility of the level of compliance of data fiduciaries. DPA would also be entrusted with the responsibility to ensure that the privacy rights of natural persons are secured. So it is very important that DPA should be independent. And I, I, I would imagine in, in the present, I hope that when we have the, the next version, you know, it will be in a much better uh, state. As an example, I mean, if I can draw up on an example, that EU GDPR, you know, if we draw up an example from there, also talks about independence, complete independence of the DPA. So there is an example in front of us. So, you know, in a nutshell, it has to be independent. So if it has to be independent instead of uh, the attorney general, who is, of course, the government's lawyer, as it were, wh what other persons are possible, do you think, in this context to make it really independent? Should it be like, in the, I think in the UK, they have some kind of an appointment process where uh, they are vetted, they're interviewed by a parliamentary committee, whoever is going to be the DPA, right? I mean, is that possible here, you think? See, I think it is, I think it is important to have, you know, so... You are right about UK, and if I also talk a little bit about the EU, they said about, I mean, there are articles that talk about independence of supervisory authorities, I mean, meaning the DPAs, if we get the same status. But the how do we have? Well, maybe we should have more and more, you know, uh, external uh, individuals. For instance, I think if my memory serves me right in the 2021 also talks about having directors of IIMs and others. Uh, in the in the selection committee and also IITs, I believe. So bringing in more academics, you know, who also have sort of a lot of sense about how things are around the world. Because DPA, you see, it's an extremely important body. It's not just uh, looking at the compliance, but also it could be, you know, providing advice, suggesting changes as we go along. So, you know, we need to ha ensure that DPA has all the mechanisms in place. Uh, not only just independence, but all the mechanisms in place other than just being an independent body. And next point being... Uh, the surveillance, I believe you had asked, right? Now, this is a, again, a you know, sort of a, an interesting point because, see, there is always this discussion about surveillance, national security vis-a-vis -vis privacy, right? Now, again, drawing up reference from the European Union, if I may, India could consider something similar to the e-privacy directive that exists in the European Union. 
now you know what is the purpose what it has the overall aim this this directive to regulate processing in the electronic communication sector so what it does essentially it prohibits listening tapping storage or other kinds of interception or surveillance of communications it also stops unlimited tracking of users behavior in the online environment and also put up a limitation in the traffic and location data now it doesn't mean that it stops you know it sort of compromises national security there is enough scope even under that that directive to legislate in the interest of national security as long as the processing of personal data is reflecting a necessary appropriate and proportionate measure so that's very crucial right because i think given the the day that we you know we we always would be coming across this question of how to balance the two i mean even if you think of it there are several judgments in the european union that consider the point of like balance. what kind of mechanism does the eu have to ensure that the state doesn't exceed as in as in abuse its powers under national security uh, umbrella uh, to do excessive surveillance i mean we i mean this question is coming we are discussing this in a pegasus country you know as it were so what kind of mechanisms do you think we can sort of adapt to the indian context well it simply put we need to ensure that there is proportionality in terms of for instance necessary appropriate and proportionate measure whenever we say there is a processing that has been done we need to look at these three pillars necessary appropriate and proportionate measure now here necessity should be is something which shows the circumstances under which processing happens and proportionality entails measures that are strictly proportionate to the purpose of processing and of course the safeguards would entail laying down the minimum standards even uh, the supreme court of india also talked about in the judgment justice case uh, put some judgment that um, you know threefold requirement of legality necessity and proportionality so you know it is it is it is quite important that we follow those steps to ensure that we balance national uh, security on one hand as well as privacy of individuals on the other but it is it is a difficult balance yet there are many examples you know uh, that we have from different countries and um, you know eu being one of them where the e privacy directive as i was referring to a minute ago played a very very important role and then you talked about the state exceptionalism or exemption of the state right from the entire provisions of the law now again you know this is something that it would take us back to the previous question the previous conversation that we were having within whatever exceptions that we have drawn upon we need to have adequate safeguards right and there has to be purpose corresponding to all forms of processing so therefore if a processing happens what's the purpose the purpose is national security and then of course guided by a certain legislation and with adequate safeguards uh dr gupta just uh, just to sorry to interrupt the, the, I, i was just trying to you you spoke about safeguards uh, and exemptions you know that's one framework of thinking about it but uh, there was one comment made by i think uh, jairam ramesh where he says that in terms of uh, state exceptionalism from the law there seems to be a, an underlying principle or underlying presumption that everything that the state authorities or officials do are necessarily done in the public interest is that a valid presumption to make because that seems to be the presumption underlying the laws provisions whatever the government does is in public interest therefore 
and so on and so forth from that basis. Well, I think, I, well, I'm not aware of what, you know, Mr. Jairam Ramesh said. So, apologies for that. But, you know, if you talk about when I look at, you know, from an academic perspective and a practitioner's perspective, when it comes to giving exceptions to the state, right, uh, there has to be some kind of legislative um, there should be some kind of law in place that talks about what kind of exceptions that would come in. So, which is the framework of the exceptions that we are talking about is important. And the safeguards essentially means that, you know, uh, if to prevent any sort of possible fear of abuse at any given time. So, the, you know, when I say safeguards, you need to have a governance structure for processing of personal data by public authorities. And we have to keep intact the data protection principles to the extent possible because the data protection principles essentially form foundation to any processing, data processing. Now, of course, when it comes to national security, you cannot possibly be asking for consent. That is quite understandable. Yet, there has to be legal basis as to why the processing is happening and that processing should correlate to the purpose. So it's very crucial. I mean, as I'm sort of repeating myself, that purpose is so very crucial in, in terms of data processing, be it government, non-government entities, uh, commercial entities, and so on and so forth, and how it relates to the consent therein. Right. And the fourth uh, problematic aspect is this merging of personal and non-personal uh, data. Now, this is something which is, you know, it, it is quite interesting. And when I say interesting, there are challenges, right? as to why there are this kind of personal and non-personal data. How do, we, how do we handle this? And what are the challenges that we have? See, when it comes to personal and non-personal data, there are issues of commercialization of data. We are also thinking of uh, providing, you know, giving, uh, giving opportunities to uh, reuse the data and so on and so forth. Now, what are the challenges? The challenges essentially is the use of technology. For instance, let's consider the, the interlinking. What if databases talk to each other, right? It essentially means using a technology, we are talking about databases talking to each other. So with the exponential growth in technology and the use of technology-driven products, we are heading towards a phase wherein databases surely would be talking to each other and mostly with the use of AI-driven technology, right? Now, the problem is that we safeguard personal data through different levels of masking and anonymization being one of them, right? Now, again, the problem is that if AI kind of technology is used to interact between personal, existing personal data and existing non-personal data, which has been anonymized, now there could be a situation wherein, you know, AI can... Of course, you know, I'm, I'm not no, you know, expert in technology, but what simply put, what AI does is AI can do certain correlations, some statistical analysis, and be able to figure out who the natural person is. So if you have a framework wherein personal data, non-personal data are clubbed together, and then you have technology which can possibly re-identify then it is a problem and why we need to have a different kind of governance setup when it comes to this um, you know personal and non-personal data because the basis is very different you know when you were looking at dp bill 2021 which kind of 
you know, sort of projected that personal data and non-personal data and framing the non-personal data framework within the personal data framework while changing the title of the, the bill. Now, merging personal data with non-personal data problem, the basis of predicting personal data and incentivizing the use of non-personal data are two very different things. Therefore, having a single legislation protecting personal data and also operationalizing access to non-personal data is better avoided. And as I've told you, as I've explained, the process of anonymization of personal data has to be further strengthened if you really want using anonymized personal data as non-personal data. So in a nutshell, you talk, you know, we are in a situation wherein that non-personal data is there to be used but sometimes personal data through the process of anonymization can become non-personal data, but the technology that we have right now, we can possibly correlate back to the, to the natural person, uh, which is a problem. Uh, and if you have a same kind of framework, same governance structure within a single legislation, then there could be further problem. And furthermore, the basis of protecting the two forms of data, very different. So we rather, you know, keep the two data separate and again, taking going back and I keep sort of going uh, back to the European Union. European Union has the same problem and they have come with the Data Governance Act in the European Union just got recently passed that a framework that facilitates data sharing, but it is very different from the EU GDPR and has been kept separate. Right. Thank you so much for sort of outlining in great detail why there are tremendous challenges in, in sort of having the same legislation, uh, looking at both the, uh, the use of personal and non-personal data, where, where you're essentially trying to say that when you have technology, advanced AI technology, which is looking at anonymized non-personal data, and if they also have uh, personal data in the same um, mix, then they could use, uh, you know, they could use the capabilities to actually profile and identify uh, the individuals whose personal data it is using the anonymized non-personal data, which is going to basically defeat the purpose of uh, ensuring or uh, protecting privacy. Uh, we'll One final question before we uh, wind up, uh, Dr. Gupta. We just have a minute, not more than that. Uh, broadly speaking, what changes or amendments, maybe two or three amendments that you would like to see in the new version of the PDP bill? where the government has promised to bring in a comprehensive legal framework. We don't know what exactly that means. So as and when this bill is uh, brought forward, what are the three changes that you would like to see in it compared to the present one? Yeah, I think, thank you very much for this question. See, there are many changes that I can think of off the top of my head. But I think one change that I, not change, but I want to have this very you know, clearly sort of mentioned uh, in, the, in the next bill is... Whenever we, you know, that we have create, we have created data fiduciary has as an entity, and we have differentiated data fiduciary from data control. Data controllers is essentially the term that we use in the European Union. Different jurisdictions have used different terms, so that's all right. But I, you know, it'd be interesting for data controllers or data fiduciaries to know exactly how their expectations are different as they move from one jurisdiction to another jurisdiction. So that is something which would be really useful to have, you know, in in very explicit manner that the expectations are different because we have clearly used two different terms. Uh, well, we have used different terms if you'd compare the EU as well. Then we need to ensure that we ought to have a strong enforcement framework. You know, the success and failure, as I've said before, 
we need to ensure that lot many you know people experts come in and they would be the best you know individuals who would be able to guide data fiduciaries so their compliance level is a lot higher and we will always in a better will be in a better position as data principals um the other thing is we must and this is something we must do we must promote privacy awareness in india uh and so that data principals are aware of their privacy rights i mean we do so much about promoting many many you know issues uh you know the beat financial institutions beat government of india and so on and so forth so we surely can sort of promote in small manner right privacy what it means what it means for individuals and what we expect and so on and so forth there is also a need i would say to of course in the in the next version we have to see what happens there is a need to create a robust dpa and they would play a crucial role in supporting uh, you know data fiduciaries as well and finally if i may we also need to sort of have some systems in place I and mean, the world is already already moving to that direction we need to regulate the data protection and privacy issues arising from use of new technologies such as ai right thank you so much uh, dr gupta that's a very comprehensive uh, summing up when you you emphasized on on making the expectations from data fiduciaries clear you spoke about a robust dpa and you also spoke a lot about uh, the need for a clear enforcement enforceability uh, framework thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this very very important uh, legislation we look forward to speaking to you once again pleasure talking to you thank you so very much for inviting me it was pleasure talking to you thank you in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon